0: This morning we are in 1 Samuel chapter 16 again, as we look at the runt king. The runt. What do you think of when you think of a runt? Somebody like Goliath, massive? I think of tiny people. Small things. Uh, Could be, you ever gotten a bunch of of, of them? Boiled potatoes or baked potatoes on your plate. And when I was growing up, I used to hate baked potatoes. I didn't like the way my mom made them. I just did not like baked potatoes. I always looked for that runt potato. in the the, Mom always made a bunch of them. And I'd go and search through, find the smallest one there because I hated baked potatoes. Now I like them. Regina makes them great. Don't tell my mom. I didn't like my mom's potatoes for whatever reason. I always tried to find that runt, that tiny one. And the story this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 16, David is kind of the runt of the litter. David's kind of the runt of his family, the baby of the family. But not just the baby, he's the smallest, the tiniest, the skinniest. He one that nobody really expected to amount to anything, at least at that stage in his life. So when Samuel starts walking down the lane carrying his little flask of oil and he asked dad to go and get out. Bring, bring your sons here. Imagine the excitement. How many of you all have seen the BBC version of Pride and Prejudice? Anybody else been struggled through that like I have? i got a bunch of girls in my family, so every year we watch six hours of Pride and Prejudice. We're going to invite Drew over next time. (laughs) Drew's always busy when we have that marathon. It's actually, I've learned to enjoy the movie after 25 years. I've learned to really enjoy, I I look forward to certain scenes, and one of the funniest ones that I I see is there's a scene where, I'm going to get these names wrong, I know, I enjoy, yes, my girls are going, okay, Dad, tell us how much you know about BBC's Pride and Prejudice now. There's a scene where him is coming down the lane to come and propose to second daughter, Jane. Jane, thank you. I knew. No, the second one, Elizabeth. The blonde one. Jane, thank you. See, I had the name right, the wrong daughter. Where the guy is coming down the lane to come and propose, and all of a sudden, they look out the window, and they go, he's coming. And in the house, all the girls go, Pew! they explode, and they're not dressed right, and he's welcome into the house, and he's brought into the inner room, and he's standing there like He's kind of abiding his time. And you upstairs, you hear all the yelling and screaming. And Jane, Jane, he's here, he's here. And and running back and forth as they're trying to get dressed and do the hair. And and here he is downstairs, just standing in the room, hearing all this commotion, hearing all that's going on. I kind of imagine that's the way it was when Samuel was walking down the lane to come and talk to David's dad. They didn't know necessarily why he was coming. But they knew it was important. And as he calls his sons, sons, come here. The, the prophet wants to see you. The prophet wants to meet you. And they're all blah, 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 trying to get themselves ready, get themselves prepared, because the prophet of God is here. Samuel looks them over, and God says, none of these are the ones I'm expecting. And in verse 11, Samuel says to Jesse, are all your sons here? Really, are these all your sons? And he said, oh, there remains one, uh, the youngest. But behold, he's just keeping the sheep. And Samuel says to Jesse, send him. We will not sit down till he comes here. The meal is going to be held up until every child, every son is here. Verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy, and had beautiful eyes and he was handsome. of course he was named David. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And then Samuel went up to Ramah. The one that the father expected to become anointed by Samuel, the one that that Jesse expected to be lifted up and said, this is the next king, was not the one who was chosen. Eliab, the oldest son, if you read earlier in the passage, he, comes, he gets presented before Samuel, and Samuel goes, oh, surely this is he, right? He's the one who looks like a king. Strong, masculine, able to lead men. God says, no, you're looking on the outside. In fact, in verse 6, it says, when they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or his height or his stature for I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. The Lord looks upon his... The man looks on the outward appearance but God looks on his heart. God looked at all the sons of Jesse and said, no, not those. We're going to choose the runt. We're going to choose the littlest one. We're going to choose the tiniest one in fact the, the greek the, the hebrew word for that is hakwatan which literally means the youngest and it carries the connotation of the smallest and tiniest my little brother when i wasn't beating up on him my little brother was this little tiny string bean growing up he was so stinking skinny he would climb up in a tree and you couldn't see him for the branches he looked like one of the branches He would dress up like Robin. We would play Batman and Robin in my, in my grandmother's trees up in upstate New York, these big apple trees. And the only way you could see him was because he's got this bright blonde hair and he's wearing a red, big old red shirt like Robin used to wear. Dun-dun-dun, we made a little R on there. So the only way you could see him, couldn't. his legs and arms and his body were so stinking skinny, he was like this runt, this tiny little thing, this haquiton. This was David. He was of no use to the family to really go out there and work the fields. He was sent out as a shepherd. The job only meant fit for the slaves and those who had no other purpose, no other use. And yet this is the one that God chose. Imagine Jesse, imagine the brothers. And Samuel even like, really God? This is the one you've chosen. This little runt, this string bean, this is the one you've chosen to lead Israel. Are you sure? And yet God says, I don't look at stature. I don't look at appearance. I look at the heart. Because God knew down the road, he had been preparing and planning for David. All this time he was experiencing out with the sheep. He was using these life experiences to develop David into the man of God he was going to become. See, there was nothing special about David. He was ordinary. He was just an ordinary young boy out there working the fields. That's us. Last week, Mike Nichols shared about how God takes the ordinary and makes him and does extraordinary things with us. He wants to take the ordinary things in our lives, and use us to do extraordinary things. Another example of that here today as we look at David. David was just this ordinary young boy, and yet God was going to take him and shape him into the king of Israel who's going to lead the people in worship, lead the people against their enemies, and let people find God through So many psalms. This little runt. I love how it says in verse 13, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And literally the Spirit, read a little later, the Spirit was removed from Saul and put on David. God's blessing was removed from Saul because of Saul's sin. Saul was only thinking about himself, thinking about how he's going to prove and, and expand his name and his glory and all that he was going to do as king. And God says, no, I'm sorry, that's not the heart of the leader that I want. This young boy exemplifies the heart of the leader who's going to lead my people. And the Spirit of the Lord was upon David from that day In fact, he was so ordinary that when his brothers went to battle, he stayed behind and tended sheep. He stayed behind and tended the sheep, and he only got to go to meet Goliath because dad sent him with his brother's lunch. He was so ordinary. He, was, he had no real purpose. He was so tiny. He's like, no way are you going to go to do battle. No way are you going to go to the front. You're going to get hurt. You're going to be walking across the field, and a rock is going to jump up and hurt you. You're so tiny. You're just ordinary. Here, take the lunch. That's all you're worth. That's all you have any value for. And yet we know that he takes down Goliath. In fact, this young man, he writes dozens and dozens of psalms. This ordinary young man, because he's got time on his hands watching the sheep. Every day he gets up, he goes out watches eating there eating there eating there okay come on sheep let's go to the next spot sit down watch next day come on sheep let's go to the next spot he's got time on his hands when he's not rescuing sheep from the pit when he's not fighting off bears and wolves and lions he's contemplating and thinking about his lord And God uses him to write dozens and dozens of psalms. This ordinary young man. See, every ordinary thing that happened in David's life happened in spite of his ordinariness. Everything extraordinary that happened to him and through him happened in spite of himself because the Spirit was working in and through him. Even he didn't think he was extraordinary. When Samuel came to anoint him, can you imagine? He walks in front of his brothers. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> and, and then Samuel anoints him. He, he thought he had no purpose in coming before them. He said... When, when, when the sons were called, he knew how people viewed him. Just stay out there in the fields. Just stay out there. Yet later on, we see him doing some great and mighty things for God. See, we need to understand that it's, God is the one who is special, not us. God is the one who is special, and it's God working through us and in us. Is the only reason we do anything extraordinary in this world. When we view ourselves as something special, we view ourselves as something extraordinary, is that really the heart that God wants? What is it that God exalts? And who is it that God exalts in Scripture? He exalted men like Moses, the most humble person. In Scripture, the Bible says... The one who viewed himself as nothing. God, I'm just a worm. I'm just a worm. David, this ordinary young shepherd that God used to lift up and do mighty things. See, we encourage others to say, God needs us. This morning in, in, in Bible study hour, Thomas wrote the fact that, you know, God, one, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need us. Could God not just snap his fingers and make whatever it is disappear, go away? And yet, God chooses to use us in his ministry. God chooses to use us to impact this world. God chooses to use us to shape and change people's minds and help them to find him. He doesn't need us, he wants us. He doesn't need us. He desires us. He desires this relationship with us. He doesn't need us. He wants us to join with him in what he is doing. I learned a long time ago, and it was reminded of this because I was studying, that Christianity is just a large collection of nobodies worshiping a great big somebody. Is that not us? We're just a large collection of nobodies Come in here every Sunday morning, and we're worshiping a great big somebody. And our job is to tell all these other nobodies about the great big somebody. We think so highly of ourselves, don't we? Yeah, we're really just a collection of nobodies. That God wants to do something awesome through so we can tell others about the great big somebody. See, God's going to take this young boy and through his humility, through his life, through this runt, God's going to show how he can be extraordinary through David. How God also can take us and wants to do extraordinary things, not just through David, but he wants to do extraordinary things through us as well. To take us and mold us and shape us and show us just how much we can do When we turn ourselves over to him, when we commit ourselves to him, we say, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whoever you want me to talk to, I will do it. He may take you to South Korea. He may make you leave Colorado. He may move you from this church and plant you in another church. He may bring you some people from another church and plant them in this church because God is always moving people around. God may take us and he, it's his plan, it's his ministry. We just join him in it. Cuz he's the one who's going to do extraordinary things through us. And that's awesome. That's incredible when you think about that. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph became he was a criminal in Egypt. Sold in slavery by his brothers. Goes to Egypt, does a great thing. He's working for Potiphar. Got caught up in the Me Too movement. Got put in jail. A criminal. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get political there. I wasn't really trying to. Bad joke. He got thrown in jail as a criminal, then gets taken out of jail and lifted up to become the second most important person in Egypt. Only below the pharaoh. Nobody would have expected that. Nobody expected that to happen. He was working at home. He was his dad's favorite, right? He had the coat of many colors. He was lifted up and exalted by his dad. Brothers got upset, sold him off, eventually goes to prison. God does an extraordinary thing through this man. How about Gideon? The story of Gideon. Where does God find Gideon? He's hiding in the winepress, threshing wheat, because the Midianites are out and around, and they're invading the land, and he doesn't want to be found. He's down in the winepress, threshing the wheat, throwing it up in the air. That's what you do when they're threshing grain. They throw it up in the air so that the, the wind will take away the chaff, and then it falls back down. Normally, you do it up on the ground. He's down inside the wine press where they get down and they're stomping on the wine, stomping on the grapes, making wine, that way he doesn't flow away. He's down in there hiding so the Midianites don't see him. And God's, the angel comes and says, mighty warrior! <laughs> exactly, who, me? Who are you talking to? And God takes Gideon. of his eventual submission. Gideon and 300 men defeat 100,000 men in the Midianite army. Because God wants to do an extraordinary thing through Gideon. How about the early church? Those in the early church who were sent into the middle of the arena, who refused to deny their faith, because they serve a great big somebody. Those who were crucified to light Nero's way. Those who were persecuted and cast out and. Be a God to do chose to do an extraordinary work through these men and women and children. Because they knew they served a great big somebody who want to do a great work through them. See, it's not about our work. It's about us trying to show this world that we serve an extraordinary God. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. He sums it up. He says, Not by my strength, not by strength, or by might, but by my spirit, says Lord of hosts. How are we going to accomplish the task that God has before us? How are we going to be able to Make disciples of all nations. How are we going to be able to reach out? How are we going to reach our children? Not by strength or by might, but by what? By the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God came on David, he was able to do so much more than what he could have done all by himself. Sure, he, he worked in the pasture. He learned how to fight off lions and bears and tigers. Oh, my. He learned how to do these things. He learned how to tend his sheep. He learned how to lead them around from place to place. He learned how to go and rescue them from the pits. But he wasn't able to lead the people, the nation of Israel, in his own knowledge and his own abilities. It was only through the Spirit of God working through him. So if we want to see change happen in our church, you want to see change happen in our communities, you want to see change happen at your office, you want to see change happen to your spouse or to your child, you can nag them until Jesus comes back. But the Spirit of God is going to do a work in their lives. And more than you. Yes, encourage them. Yes, pr- let them know that they need to be in God's Word. Or, but understand this. That the Spirit of God is going to do more in, their, in a person's life than you ever will. The Spirit of God is going to do more from this platform than me preaching until I'm blue in the face. We have one hour a week, two hours a week that you're here in church worshiping. There's 167 other hours in the week. What are we doing? What are you doing the other 167 hours? To let God work through you. This is the challenge time. This is the encouragement time. This is the cheerleading, rah, rah, sis, kaboom, ba. God's great. Let's go out and do a great work for God. Let's get some knowledge in us. Let's get some prayer in us. Let's go out there challenged and encouraged, excited about what God is going to do the other 167 hours until we meet back together again. And we can rejoice together about what God has done this next week. Next Sunday when we come together, we'll have just finished up our fall festival. See what who God brings, not what who God brings into our midst as we minister to families and children all in or around our communities. As we love on them and show them the love of Christ. Let them play some games. Let them get some candy. Let them see. Let them work in the maze out there, by the way. Did y'all see the maze outside that Colton put together yesterday? Good stuff. Started putting together. We're not done yet. All sunburn. It's going to be a lot of fun. As we strive to let the world see Christ through us because let them know we serve an extraordinary God. He just wants to use ordinary people to do it. Where did David learn to be extraordinary? Where did David learn not to be extraordinary, brother, but to let the extraordinary one come out? Working with the sheep. He was working with the sheep. He learned all of his skills in the pasture. He learned his skills in the pasture as he led the sheep from place to place, as he fought off those animals, as he rescued the sheep from place to place. You know why we are called sheep in the Word of God? Because sheep are D-U-M-B. They're stupid. They are the dumbest animals. They are the easiest pickings for prey. <laughs> when they, <laughs> The shepherd always has to be on alert for the animals that are coming to attack. Make sure that the sheep aren't looking up in the sky when it rains. Oh, look, my nose is filling up with water. Why is that? And they drown. They're the dumbest animals. Tastes good, but they're the dumbest animals. See, David learned his skills in the drudgery. Those drudgery times. Those monotonous times of life. Chapter 16, verse 13. It says, The Spirit of God rushed upon David from that day forward. And then, Samuel rose up and went back. And David rose up, and where did he go back to? Back to the field. What was he expecting? What, What do you think they were expecting? This Oh, I've now been anointed as king of Israel. The next king of Israel. And then he goes back to the field. He goes back to the pasture. Samuel leaves and goes to Ramah. Life goes on as normal. Back to the monotony. But it's in that monotony In those times in the pasture, that God taught David who he was. It's those times in the pasture when David composed his psalms. It's those times in the pasture when he was just living life that he learned to trust God. He learned to depend upon God. He learned God's character. He learned what he needed to know to lead the people of Israel. And not just lead them as king, but lead them in worship, to lead them in honoring and knowing who God is. He is the king who said, God is in a tabernacle. We need to build this huge temple. I want to honor the name of God. I'm living in this huge mansion, this huge (coughs) beautiful home. And yet the God of the universe is sleeping in a tent. He led the people in worship to understand that this is not just a statue on a side of the road that God was not just a picture on a wall he is a living breathing spirit of God indwelling each and every one of us where did he learn that from in the pastor. in fact if you look as, as, as we read through the we're not going to read through the whole thing but as we study the life of David over the next several weeks you're going to see that all of these things in his life all the next few scenes in his life where do they start in the pastor. They start in the pasture. In fact, he goes from the pasture to the anointing, to the pasture, to the caves, to the crown. As the next several years of his life are just one thing after another, they start off in the pasture. He learned to lead people by leading the sheep. He learned to worship God by sitting there watching them and contemplating the righteousness and holiness of God. His life consisted of walk, sit, wait, save a lamb, walk, sit, wait, save the lamb, repeat, 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 repeat. A life of monotony. And yet did God used those times in his life, that pasture time, to teach him about himself. He honed his skills of worship write in the psalms he honed his skills of courage fighting off the animals he honed his skills of humility by cleaning sheep poop off of his clothes because you know those sheep were scared as he had to pick up those sheep and carry them from place to place sometimes they were over his, his shoulders the ones who wandered away he had to break their legs so that they would learn not to wander away and trust him as a shepherd he carried them over his shoulders is this what the king does? Is this what the leader does? Yes. He learned those things. In fact, Asaph wrote about this in Psalm 78. It says that God, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. He brought him from tending ewes to be shepherd over his people, Jacob, over Israel, his inheritance. He shepherded them with a pure heart and guided them with his skillful hands. You know, God is still putting us in shepherding situations today, honing our skills, making us like him. To the mom who gets up at three in the morning because her baby's crying and finds that diaper that didn't hold all that it should have, y'all been there? Or that dad who gets elbowed at 3 in the morning. No, that doesn't usually happen, does it? (laughs) The mom gets up selflessly, changes that diaper with joy. Maybe not not at 3 in the morning. She doesn't view it as joy. But later on, as she sees what that child becomes, all those times at 3 in the morning and changing diapers with stuff up the back, forgotten and the grandparents go those grandkids that's what's the result of stuff up the back at 3 in the morning Yes, the joy that comes business people who work a dead-end job every day 40 hours a week 50 hours a week 60 hours a week really is this where I'm going every Monday morning over and over and yet through that you work that job unnoticed, learning faithfulness. Learning faithfulness. That that then translates into the ministry where God has placed you to being faithful every single day. When your boss doesn't see the work you do, God sees it. When your coworkers don't see the time and energy and effort you're putting in God sees it you're being faithful and trusting learning those skills students pouring over books learning stuff you're never going to use the rest of your life you think you're in class biding your time putting in your time God is using those times in your life to teach you to be steadfast, to continue on, to persevere. In fact, Colossians 3.23 says this about all of us. Whatever you do, not whatever you like, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive your reward of an inheritance from the Lord You serve the Lord Christ. Mom, dad, student, son, daughter, grandparent, servant, leader, you don't do it for yourself. You do it because we serve a great big somebody. We're just a bunch of nobodies. Trying to tell others, trying to tell everybody about a great big somebody. No matter what you do, in word or deed, let it all be done to bring glory and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what. We look at these times in our lives and we're like, God, can't you just put me someplace to let me know exactly what you want me to do? David had been anointed by Samuel as the king, he's back out in the pasture. God, can't you just move me into that position now? Just wait. God, you don't understand how frustrating it is right now in this, what I'm doing. Just wait. I'm honing your skills. I'm teaching you about me. I'm teaching you, preparing you for the next stage in your life. Enjoy where you are right now and learn. The grass is not always greener. Enjoy where God has you. Paul says what? Be content. I have learned to be content in all situations, Paul says, right? I have learned to be content in every situation. See, God is at work forging patience, forging character, forging integrity. These are things that are learned in the pasture of life don't despise your pasture. don't despise where god's got you right now learn to enjoy it learn to absorb god and what he's got for you learn that in those pasture times is where god is honing your skills for service to him lastly understand this that the stories that we read in the old testament that Jesus, especially this one's about David, that Jesus is going to be the truly extraordinary one in the future. As we read these stories of David's life, they're not just about David. They're pointing to the one who's going to come. They're pointing to the one who's going to come, who's going to be the Redeemer, who's going to be the King of Israel, who's going to be the one that we turn to. These stories of David's life, as we look about that God, you, you did some extraordinary things in his life, they're not just so we can look up and look at our own lives and say, God, do something extraordinary, me. They're so we can point to the one who was truly extraordinary, who was truly extraordinary, who came and died on the cross on our behalf. He is the great big somebody that we point to. He's the one lifted up on the cross so that all eyes could turn to him and be saved, so that all eyes would turn to him and find salvation, to find forgiveness of their sins. David was a human. You and I are human. We're just a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about the great big somebody. Lifted up on the cross for all of us. Right now we're in the pasture. We're not David. The story is not about us. The story of David's life story about David and Goliath that we're going to get to in a short time, a couple weeks, one of my favorite stories. It's not about us becoming like David. It's about understanding that we're to be like Jesus. And in the story, this is the picture of what Jesus is doing. David working his blue-collar job watching sheep. Jesus working his blue-collar job as a carpenter. David gets anointed and goes back to the fields for many moons. Jesus gets anointed, goes out to the pasture, goes out to the desert to get strengthened for the task ahead because he knows what's ahead. He's, go to Jer- he's gonna, not going to Jerusalem to claim his throne in a physical sense. He's going to claim that throne in a spiritual sense and inviting us to join him there. Inviting us to join him in worship of the one true God. I read this this week. It says, David's anointing is not an anecdote telling us to hang on until God puts us on the throne of victory. Jesus is already there. The gospel reminds us that he has won the victory. And if we want victory, it only comes by sharing in his victory, not anticipating our own. The most ordinary king of all, an obscure man from Galilee, has been raised to the most extraordinary position of all. If we know him, our lives will never be truly ordinary again. See, God wants to do a great work through us. God wants to show himself extraordinary through us. It's not about me. It's not about my name. It's not about you or your name or what you're going to do, what you're going to accomplish. It's what God's going to accomplish through you. David had some barriers to, to get through in his life. He had to get through a number of years working in the pasture. He had to overcome. He had to run from his life from Saul, living in a cave. Going into the temple and getting, going to the tabernacle, rather getting bread so he could eat and for his men. Learning to fight, learning to lead. He had some barriers to overcome before he could become the king. What are some of your barriers? What are some of the barriers that you have to overcome to become the man or woman of God that he wants you to be? In what ways is God using your pasture to shape you? In what ways? The pastor that you're in right now, the time of life you're in right now, that monotony you're going through right now, in what ways is God using that in your life to shape you into the child of God he wants you to be? Ephesians 2.10 We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God already knows what you're going to do. He's already got those works prepared for you. He's already got your life planned out. The sovereign God of the universe is inviting you to join him in his ministry. What's he got planned out for you? What barriers do we have to overcome? What are you learning in his pasture right now? You Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as we think about these things, as we... Look to what God is doing, wanting to do in and through us. Your head bowed. Those two questions. What's your barrier? What barrier are you trying to overcome in your life? It's different for everybody. David had to overcome fear. He had to overcome running from his life. Had to overcome being the runt of the litter what barriers are you trying to overcome see here this morning and say pastor I've God's brought to my mind a couple barriers and pastor I need your prayers help me overcome those barriers just lift up your hands right now and just pray for you individually thank you Thank you. Pastor, I've got some barriers in my life that God has revealed to me this morning. Barriers to service, barriers to ministry, barriers to get to that next point, that next spot in my spiritual walk. I need your prayers. Would you Lift up your hands so I can pray for you. You're in the pasture right now, and it's monotonous day in and day out, and you don't understand why you're there, but God does. God's got you there. Learn in the pasture. And you say this morning, Pastor, I don't know what it is I'm I'm supposed to learn yet. Maybe I I do know, but I'm committed to staying in the pasture and learning, letting God hone my skills. I'm willing to let God hone my skills right where I'm at. Lift up your hands and say, I'm committing to God this morning. I'm going to let him hone my skills right where he's got me in the pasture. Thank you. God, this morning you saw the hands that went up. As we come before you in prayer, we come before you honestly and humbly committing ourselves to you. Saying, God, there are barriers in our lives. Sometimes they are self-imposed barriers. Sometimes they are ones that you've placed there to stop and make us think about our future. God, I ask for your strength and for you to reveal to us the way around and over the barrier that's there so we might move on, so we might become what you want us to be, so you can be show yourself extraordinary in us. Lord, many in this room this morning have raised their hands and said, God, I'm committing to you to get through the pasture, to enjoy the pasture, enjoy this time. When I don't fully understand what God's doing, but in the pasture time, I'm going to let you hone my To become the man and woman child of God that you want me to be. To trust in you. To step out in faith and say, God, here I am. Use me. In whatever capacity you've got me in right now, God, use me. I thank you, Lord God, that you are mighty and powerful in this room and we continue to invite you into our lives. invite you to change us and shape us into your image. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing one final song this morning. All to Jesus I surrender.